0: Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for tuning in today. I have a lovely hour planned with Ken Samples. He's a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe. You can learn more about Ken at Reasons.org. We're going to talk today about six biblical truths about God and government. And this is going to be an interesting conversation. And I don't know, Ken. Uh, where we're going to end up in 60 Minutes, but I'm looking forward to see where you're taking us.
1: Well, you know, I used to think that uh, politics and government were only controversial, you know, in our time. But, you know, when I've looked back to American government, uh, you could have uh, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and Alexander Hamilton all in the same room, and they would disagree with each other. So it sounds like we have got a long history of uh, controversy.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and it seems that the the rhetoric today uh, is worse than ever. But I don't know that to be true. I, I'm sure there were times in previous generations where it was every bit as uh, vitriolic and and contentious.
1: I think that is the case. Yeah. So we, you know, there there are some important points that Scripture teaches about government that I think. Uh, are principles that can be affirmed, you know, whatever political party you belong to. I think these are sound biblical principles.
0: All right, let's. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, Ken, let's dig into six biblical truths about God and government. Where should we start?
1: Yeah, I th- I think right at the start, the the first point that I make when I address this issue is that it is God Himself that has established government. And of course, here I'm thinking of what Paul wrote in Romans 13, where he said there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And so what you see here, Bill, is that the Lord is the sovereign creator and ruler of the world, and he is the one that establishes authority systems. And human government uh, it doesn't derive its power and authority from itself, from a biblical point of view, authority is grounded in God. And so that I think is a, a very important principle that, that God as the creator, the preserver, and um, the one who cares for human beings has established a, a system of government. And uh, it's usually never perfect, but Nevertheless, it's grounded in Him.
0: Mm-hmm. Where do we find some of these biblical references, Ken, on what you just said?
1: Yeah, uh, one of the best places to go here is uh, Romans thirteen, um, chapter uh, chapter thirteen, and, I, and I'll read just a couple verses: verses one and then three and four. Paul says, "Let every person be subject to the government authorities, for there is no authority except from God." and those that exist have been instituted by God. And then then Paul says, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So I think what's very powerful, and of course there are a number of uh, passages that I'll allude to as we go through uh, where where Paul and others talk about the authority of government, but here we have a very clear case that uh, uh, God is the one who has established government, and uh, when government is working right, that is, it commends the good, it punishes evil, it maintains peace, it protects the innocent. Of course, none of those things are perfect again, and we can talk about whether a Christian can ever disobey government, but right at the ground floor is the idea that government's established by the Lord.
0: Mm -hmm. Ken, what were first-century believers or first-century listeners (laughs) uh, that were listening to Paul, what, what were they believing about government, and why was Paul needing to give them this information.
1: Yeah, what's really important here, and, and this is really kind of a challenging idea, because when Paul in Romans 13 wrote this, guess who was the emperor? Nero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he wasn't quite like Caesar Augustus. I mean, some some philosophers and historians would say there's only been two kind of just Caesars. Uh, Caesar Augustus and Marcus Aurelius many of the others including Nero was um you know ruthless and and evil yet even bad government is better than no government and so in in a very powerful way i think paul was communicating to the early church that uh um christians needed to respect and, and honor uh, and so th- I think that's the kind of context we're we're looking at.
0: So we're first century listeners feeling beat up by high taxes.
1: Well, and feeling they, rebellious. They might have been beat <laughs> up, but it may not be by taxes. It may <laughs> take in a another form. But it is true, Bill, that in the first century, um, you know, Christians were kind of a ragtag group. They had not reached a place where they had a lot of authority. Uh, you know, a couple hundred years later, Christianity would become the dominant religion of the entire empire, but not not in the first century. They were often viewed as a, a sect of the Nazarene, criticized by Jews and Romans and many others.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Ken, should we move on to uh, the, a second biblical truth about God and government?
1: this really builds on the the idea that God uses both noble and innoble governments to Mm -hmm. accomplish sovereign purposes. Um, You know, here, let me cite, um, this is from Acts 4, 27 and 28. Uh, It says, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So the Lord uses uh, noble government and less than noble government. He has to use less than noble government because Mm -hmm. government is never perfect. But nevertheless, I think in this passage here in Acts, uh, Bill, we discover that the Lord is working behind the scenes. The Lord sovereignly and providentially is working behind the scenes. And so uh, government is a a very important principle um, in a a biblical context.
0: Mm. Given the fact, Ken, that so many people have so much angst towards government, it might be hard for them to understand how God is working behind the scenes.
1: Well, in, indeed it is, uh, there, there, there's no doubt. Uh, and of course, if we if we look through history, I mean, we don't have to go back very far. Even in the 20th century, we see totalitarian governments. But if we go back to the first century, we, we see a Roman government that was uh, brutal, uh, that built its empire largely on uh, a sense of domination. Um, And yet Paul says that the Lord can still use government that's far from perfect.
0: Hmm. Boy, when you put it in that context and you go all the way back to Roman government and how cruel they were, government has been a messy operation ever since uh, the beginning of time.
1: There's no doubt about that. Hmm. And and I think in, in one sense that may speak to us today. I mean, We live at a very controversial time. We live where people are deeply polarized, but in some sense, that's not new. And in some sense, there have been even greater evil involved in governments of the past.
0: And Ken, would you say that we're so much more aware of it today just because of the amount of communication available that we have? I mean, we can have a news story that happens in government and... Five minutes later, it's all over the world.
1: I think it is very different than the past. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think it's different, Bill, than even when you and I were young uh, boys. Um, We live at a time where you have kind of instant news. I remember when President Kennedy was shot, they had to warm up the television cameras before they could get on the air. Wow. (laughs) undoubtedly today you have these kind of instant stories and that can be good and it can be bad sometimes there's a lot of propaganda sometimes people don't take the time to get the story right
0: yeah i never want to repeat anything for the first 48 hours if possible because i want to see what's going to happen in the first 48 hours of any news story you are a wise man well i should also say i've stopped watching news like altogether so i'm not that wise i mean I'm a little bit removed from what's going on in the world, which is I'm okay with, because I spend way more time in God's Word than I do looking at news programs or newspapers.
1: Well, um, you know, certainly uh, God's Word has things to tell us that we can't find anywhere else. Amen. uh, you know and God's word is relevant and it and it applied in the first century and it applies today
0: Yeah Ken Samples is my guest you may know Ken from reasons.org he is not only a theologian but a philosopher we're talking about six biblical truths about God and government and I promise if you have a question I bet Ken would be more than happy to answer it if you have anything pertaining to God and government 8779332484 is our text line, it's text only, 877-933-2484 and we'll be right back with Ken. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Professor Ken Samples. He's a senior research scholar at Reasons.org. You can learn more about Ken at Reasons.org. We're talking today about God, government, and the believer, six biblical truths about God and government. And Ken, so far I find uh, your discussion and analysis very interesting. I think we're up to uh, biblical truth number three.
1: Yes, this one is that God calls all of us, his people, to pray for government officials, and here I'm going to again cite the apostle Paul first Timothy two one and two Paul writes this: he says, "I urge you then first of all that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all those in authority uh Paul even mentions the 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 emperor uh in his epistles that we should Uh, pray for them. And so here is a a word that I think is very important, that believers in Christ, that's you and me, we have an obligation to pray for those who govern us. And uh, that's whether we voted for them or not, or whether we agree with them or not, we are required by scripture to pray for them. And I know in my church, I attend an Anglican church, and they have various prayers in the Book of Common Prayer. They have, uh, of course, coming out of the a, the English Reformation, they have uh, prayers for the president, they have prayers for the king or the queen. Um, and so Paul tells us that we should pray for our leaders. Uh, some of them uh, have been evil men or evil women. Some have been noble people, but whether we like them or not whether we voted for them or not the lord calls us to pray for them to pray that uh, they will bring wisdom justice goodness uh to people and again government uh has a uh, has an obligation to uh to protect the innocent um to punish the wicked sometimes it does that very very well sometimes it doesn't but for those of us who are rather frustrated at times by politics and government, the way to respond to
0: that is to pray for them. Mm, I like that. I like that, Ken. So, I was going to ask you, my next question was going to be, what would be your prayers? Now, you've given me a couple things like wisdom, discernment, justice. I mean, that's actually quite helpful because if I think about, am I praying for government officials? I would, I would answer, not very often
1: yeah i you know there were there were virtues in the ancient world um the classical virtues uh were things like wisdom uh and uh, courage and and justice mm-hmm. and self-control uh those are called the classical virtues. I think that we should pray that uh, our leaders uh are noble. Uh, that they're effective in their in their policies, that they uh, have an inspired and and hopeful vision of life. But I, I think fundamentally, we're asking them to be wise, to be prudent, uh, to be just in the way that they operate and, and to care uh, for their people.
0: But if they're coming out of a certain ideology, they're they're going to be staying in that lane. So their wisdom, their discernment, their justice, their courage may be not what you are aligning yourself with.
1: That's indeed the case. And and of course, we recognize that everybody looks at the world through a worldview prism. Sometimes people look through, I think, a very viable prism, have a very hopeful worldview. Others uh, have a very negative worldview. But Remember, I think we should remember, too, Bill, this, that God has created everybody in his image, and all of us have access to general revelation. All of us have been the beneficiary of common grace. And I think that as we look around the world, even in the world's religions, uh, most, most of the world's religions affirm kind of the second half of the Ten Commandments. Um, Again, uh, secular people can be wise, secular people can be prudent, Um, religious people can be and sometimes are not, but we're we're asking that the Lord's will would be done, and uh, God is the God of wisdom. He's the God of justice. Uh, He is uh, the God of uh, holiness and righteousness.
0: And if he's behind the government, I guess it does make it easier to pray, doesn't it?
1: Yeah and 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 I I I think the mistake and and I certainly I'm certainly put myself in this category as well is you get fed up hey you know wait a second I'm disappointed the the government can't create a uh, a millennial peace on earth but but of course we know that we know that the government can never replace the church it can never replace your need for spirituality and commitment to god uh but paul says that the lord hears our prayers and uh and again that 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 kind of rubs my gears okay i didn't vote for this fellow and i don't particularly like this fellow i don't like his policies but nevertheless i'm still called to pray for them
0: mhm and you were talking about a generic candidate right now weren't you i was yeah i i, I, I figured cuz if somebody just yeah. tuned in they might think they might think that my guest doesn't like the current office holder, and I think you were speaking in general terms that maybe over the last forty or fifty years, as you have contemplated, who is in the highest office, whether you like them or not, it's our duty to be praying for those people in leadership.
1: Absolutely, all people are broken. All people are sinful. All people have biases, including me, uh, and we're we're to pray for all of them.
0: Ken Samples is my guest, and we're talking today about uh, the roles, the b- biblical um, biblical truths about God and government. And if you have a question so far from anything you've heard, you'd like Ken to elaborate on something, or maybe you've got a direct question about uh, any biblical truth regarding God and government, you can send the text over. Please do it to 877-933-2484, again, 877 877-933- 933 Two four, eight four. When we think about God, government, and the believer, uh, we're also saying there are a whole lot of people when it comes to government, God, and the unbeliever.
1: It, indeed, yes. I, I, you know, going back to the first century, Christianity is is emerging out of a context of the Greco-Roman world uh Christianity will rapidly grow and by the end of the middle a- you know by the time of the middle ages the church will have authority um and yet we also recognize that so-called christian leaders can have all kinds of challenges but you know we we do we live in a world where um there are many people that are religious there are some people that are not and there are ma- many different religious points of view um and yet we can we can recognize that the lord you know Christians realize that the lord is providential he is working behind the scenes and he's using even corrupt governments for his purposes so we shouldn't give up we shouldn't uh, take a position and just say well i'm not going to i'm not going to bother
0: Ken, that's a, such an important point you made and such a great reminder that god himself is behind governments and he organizes them and is in control over all of them. Otherwise I think there's a lot of people would lose their mind. Well,
1: uh I, I think that's exactly right. And I like the word you used earlier, messy. Anything relating to human beings is going to be messy. Our churches are messy, uh we're messy, uh the world is messy, and yet we're taught in scripture that the Lord is the creator, he is the ruler, he is the king, and he hears our prayers. And uh, again, he can use imperfect people. If he couldn't, then we could only have Jesus as uh, our our president, or whatever he may be in a government role.
0: Mm -hmm. So, question, under what kinds of circumstances would we as Christians not pray for or support government?
1: Well, um, I, I think not to pray. Um I I think I think scripture is very clear here. Paul Paul says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. Then, and I'm kind of moving ahead a little bit to my next point, but I'll I'm gonna go with there anyway. Paul says then in First Peter, excuse me, Peter says in First Peter 2.13, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors. So, um, you know, the reality is that we are to honor um, our leaders. Um, you know, I, I, Try to be very careful and communicate, you know, uh, I refer to them as Mr. President, I refer to them as my governor, uh, my mayor. The role that they play is one in which we are to honor and to submit. Now, a little later, we'll talk about when there is the time uh, against. But that takes a little bit of thought.
0: Yeah, indeed, it does. So we will pick up that uh, part of the conversation. I want to go back to this idea of submission and where we find out about that in scripture. Uh, Ken Samples is my guest. We're talking about God, government, and the believer. And if you have a question, you feel free to send it over 877-933-2484. Be right back with Ken in just a minute. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Welcome back to the show. My guest is Ken Samples. He's a professor and theologian. You can learn more about Ken at reasons.org. We're talking today about uh, God, the government, and the believer and a question popped up, Ken. So, how would you have prayed for, like, someone like Adolf Hitler, or how would be how would you be praying for someone like Putin today?
1: Yeah, those are those are great questions. Um, you know, they, we have to we have to face them straight up. Um, what's interesting, Bill, in the time of Nazi Germany, there were Christians who. Uh, Recognized that there were death camps. They recognized that uh, people were being murdered, um, and there were questions: what What is the obligation of of the Christian? Uh, again, we'll talk a little bit later about uh, when we can disobey. But you know, um, I think I would have been praying. I know my father was a combat soldier in World War II. We've had he and I have had many conversations. I remember one we had not long before he died where my dad said son what do you think the lord's going to do i killed many of those german soldiers and my response is dad on your resume it's a it's going to read i did my part to help stop the holocaust um there are evil people in the world i think we can pray that they would be held uh to judgment there, there is the principle in uh, the book of Genesis and in the New Testament that God would repay people, uh, you know, justly. Um, I think I would, if I were alive when Hitler was the Fuhrer of Germany, I would have, and if I knew what was going on, I would pray that he would be overcome, that he would be brought down, that his ideology would uh, be uh, shown, uh, to be murderous. Uh, I think Putin falls in a, in a very similar category. There's, there's no doubt about that. And, and yet Bill, it seems like every generation, um, people who are, who hold democratic views in the West, we wake up to the idea that there are totalitarian leaders in the world. It's like, why do we keep falling asleep to these kinds of things? But to answer your question directly if I knew an, if I knew a leader were evil I would pray that God would bring judgment upon him. Mm. Or
0: her. And then Jesus says in Matthew we need to pray for our enemies and those who persecute us.
1: Yeah, wow. I mean, you know, sometimes people criticize Christianity, but you know, to be a Christian um it's a challenge. It's a challenge to live up. You read the Sermon on the Mount, wow pray for these people, pray that they would repent, pray Mm -hmm. that uh, if they don't repent, they would be brought to judgment.
0: I love going back, Ken, to the idea that God is sovereign and in control. And again, I think of this little speck called life in light of eternity, and we want everyone to come to faith in Christ, and we want to be willing and able to pray for everybody. I mean, you know, you look at
1: the biblical figures. I mean, look look at the Apostle Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus. He is a Jewish rabbi. He is a Roman citizen. Um, you know, he has uh, bona fides uh, in terms of, of being a Jew. Um, and yet he encounters the sect of the Nazarene, and they're doing something that... Uh, he can't stomach, they're worshiping Jesus as (laughs) if he were a God. Mm -hmm. And he involves himself to persecute, uh, to even kill Christians. Uh, Was Paul a Taliban? I mean, and yet the Lord appeared to Paul and totally changed him. Uh, Think of other people in the Old Testament, think of uh, David, a remarkable person, also uh, a A person who committed uh, some terrible things, um, there's no doubt that we have to be praying and we have to recognize that um, the communists are wrong in thinking that somehow their political system is going to create a utopia on the earth. We know that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And you can become very disappointed by politics. But, you know, Bill, what I think is interesting is if you if you don't worship God, I think from a biblical point of view, you you look for something to kind of align yourself with. It it might be environmentalism, it might be t- some type of political system, and so maybe that's one of the reasons why people get into you know there's such controversy because some people politics is their religion.
0: Mm-hmm. I would agree. You know, I think two, Ken, samples of Paul probably spent uh, the rest of his life dealing with his previous life in the eyes of other people. Oh, there's Paul, you know, the the Christian hater, the Christian murderer. I mean, he probably dealt, dealt with that the rest of his life.
1: I don't know what the, you know, Paul talks about something that, that he suffered with. You know, was it a physical ailment or mm-hmm. was it? nagging guilt that uh that i murdered people who are the lambs of god right yeah boy i remember some of us feel guilty for our sins um and yet paul becomes the champion of being forgiven by grace through faith in Christ, Mm -hmm. even though he'd done some terrible things.
0: Mm. I mean, I talked to someone who was very skeptical of Charles Coulson because he was Nixon's hatchet man, and now he, you know, confesses to be a Christian. Yeah, right. Like he could still do that. Like that's who he is. He, you know, they were, he, he was saying he's probably still the hatchet man.
1: Well, I've, I've met Chuck Colson. I've read a number of his books. Uh, I remember him saying that uh, the best thing that ever happened to him was to go to prison because he realized, wow, I'm, I'm at the, at the bottom. I was this high powered lawyer working for president Nixon. Now I'm behind bars. He starts prison ministry. I, I mean, I think this encourages me, Bill, I'm not a perfect person, but i look and i see the the grace of god how it can change people.
0: Mhm. Ken, let's uh talk about the the what i believe is the fifth biblical truth about god and government. I think we touched on it right before we went to break and that's about submission. Would you say more about that?
1: Yeah, that that that's actually my my fourth point. That god calls okay. his people to honor and submit to the governmental authorities. Let me read a passage here. This is First Peter 2, 13. Paul says, uh, Peter, um, instead of Paul, Peter says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors. And then the next uh, verse goes on to say that they're sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good you know uh submissions a tough thing um and yet it appears bill I, I think that this is a reasonable biblical inference that no government would be worse than uh uh even an in, even a false government or an ignoble government now uh, of course uh my fifth point makes another point there but you know, the idea that we should honor them. Uh, believers should extend honor and submission to those who govern them, whether we voted for them or not, whether we agree with them or not, we're required to honor and submit to them. Now that submission it has its limits, but before saying that, I mean, I, you know, I watch the news. I There are signs I see in the neighborhood and there are t- there are times where i see people you know use expletives about the president or uh, about the governor or whatever it may be um i would never do that uh i wouldn't i would i would express my disagreement and i would express my view that i think that policy is a bad one but i would give honor to them um you know, we, we honor the office. We honor people in authority. And um, we submit to them. We need to submit to them. There are limits to that submission. But these are not my words. These come from the Apostle Peter, from the Apostle Paul. Uh, and again, they're they're living at a time where they have an emperor, and he's an
0: evil emperor. Mm. Ken, I feel like this is a refresher course in civility.
1: Well, y- you know, I, I talk a lot about the golden rule of apologetics, treat other people's ideas the way you want yours treated. And I have a political philosophy. I've thought a lot about politics. I vote, I serve on my, in the jury when I'm called to jury duty. Uh, I follow the elections because I think that it is important to to do so, but um I think I think it's very important not to misrepresent other people and other people's ideas. If the ideas are bad, critique them, but critique them honestly and carefully. And um, you know, I, I think sometimes even Christians think that if I really disagree with someone, I can say whatever I want about
0: them. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, you but didn't... that's
1: not the biblical case. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's so true. All right, let's go back to point five. I got out of order. I thought. Submission was point five, but it so let's let's move on to five.
1: Yeah, uh, point five is building here. God calls his people to obey him over all government authorities, God calls his people to obey him, God, over all governmental uh, authorities. And uh, here you know, we can we can reflect on the idea that if the government, uh, uh, let me let me put it this way: our required submission to government has its limits. So believers are to obey government except when the government commands something God forbids, mm-hmm. or government forbids something God commands. Uh, when commanded to preach the gospel, um in the book of Acts, the apostles said we must obey God rather than human beings. So We are to submit to the authorities, but there's a limit to the submission, and we can disobey government when the government commands something God forbids, Mm -hmm. or the government forbids something God commands, and we have to think very carefully about that, but... um, yeah, I think, I think that's the principle we're drawing here.
0: Mm, I like that. Ken Samples is my guest. He is a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe, Reasons Believe. You can go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. We'll take a uh, short break, but if you have a question about our topic today, which is God, government, and the believer, uh, and you have a question for Ken, send it over via text 877-933-2484. It's always a good time to show Christ's love to a hurting world through acts of kindness. So you can join our Kindness Always initiative at myfaithradio.com. You should check it out. And if you want to receive a daily email featuring a nice scripture graphic, you can sign up for the verse of the day email also at myfaithradio.com. We'll be right back with Ken. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Ken Samples. He's a philosopher and a theologian. Quite a combination. He's at reasons.org. You can learn more about Ken there, author of many books, and a really, really good mind in that head of his. So, Ken, as we discussed today, our our six um, biblical truths for God and government, I think we're getting down to the wire um, Are we at number six already? We're at number six. That's what I thought. This
1: this is an awfully important one, and I think putting it at the end is appropriate, and that is that God will bring all present human governments to an end in the eternal state where Jesus Christ will reign forever. Let me uh, read a passage here from the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 15 and 16. Uh, John, the apostle, I believe, was the author of the book of Revelation. And it says, he will rule them with an iron scepter on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, I'm going to argue here, Bill, that believers in Christ, we need to discharge our civic responsibilities as citizens in this temporal world and we need to do it with diligence, with wisdom, with justice, with benevolence as best we can, informed by the Christian worldview. Yet we also need to realize and remember that the Lord's sovereign purposes will ultimately be accomplished. And that's again, I, th- I come back to a couple of points here. It's a mistake to think that somehow government can fulfill the, the ultimate human needs. It cannot. And it cannot and it should not be viewed as a replacement uh, for spirituality and uh, for the church. But I would make this point that I think Christians can have dual citizenships, uh, both in the civil and eternal kingdoms. That, that is, I view myself as first and foremost, I'm a child of God. I belong to the Lord. He's Jesus Christ is my ruler. He is my king. And yet, I was born in America. Uh, And as an American citizen, I, I vote. I, again, uh, jury duty is the most inconvenient thing in the world, but I have been on a couple juries and I was very glad I was. Uh, I thought that we reasoned through the evidence and we drew uh, a conclusion that, that I think was just, Um, you know, I know a number of Christians who are, serve in an elective office, so I think that dual citizenship is very powerful, that we realize uh, Christ said his kingdom is not of this world. We will await that righteous kingdom, but here we have responsibilities, and I try to discharge those.
0: Well said, Ken Samples. I, I appreciate that, and I love what what future we all have where Jesus will be in charge once and for all? that's exciting. I mean,
1: I mean imagine that um, you know think about the things that we believe i I think it was Tim Keller who said that in his mind uh, somebody has to want Christianity to be true before they can come to believe that it's true. I mean think about the truths we believe in that 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 Christ is raised from the dead. I was you know, thinking about that this morning when I was driving into work. I had, I was worrying about a problem that was troubling me. And I started to think, Lord, I, I know you're risen from the dead. I know you control my life. doesn't always take the pain and the sorrow away. But we believe God has visited planet Earth, that Jesus was God in human flesh, and that he will return a second time, and uh, his kingdom will have no end wow, what what powerful truths we believe, and if we believe them, it can encourage us during times of great sorrow and great difficulty.
0: Mm-hmm. So true. All right, Ken, uh, as much as I have uh, enjoyed this, whenever I say the word philosopher and theologian, you know what that means, that we're going to get some questions that are going to trickle in that may not be 100% related to our topic. But this is a very interesting question. And it's um how far do Christians go in the workplace when employers are encouraging things like the use of pronoun and and are making rainbow training mandatory that's yeah, an, these are, that's an authority question
1: yep it, it it is indeed an authority question um I, I think clearly we we should be active um, we should engage. Uh, If you're working for a company and you have a problem with some of the things that are being introduced as policy, uh, you have a HR department where you can register your concerns, your complaints. It's even possible uh, if a policy is illegal uh, that you could encourage uh, uh, an attorney to look at these kinds of things. Uh, you know, if you don't like the way your school is being run, if you don't like the way your workplace is being run, you do have access uh, to resources. Um, And again, I encourage people to do it respectfully. I encourage people uh, to think about the issues, but you have every right to register a complaint if uh, people are presenting things that are Uh, unethical or unfair to all the people working there. Now, of course, what might happen? Well, it's possible uh, people would recognize that's a bad policy and it'll be overturned. It's also possible that you might lose your job.
0: Yeah. Amen to that.
1: And that uh, again, if I could go back to those classical virtues, Aristotle, a Greek thinker, the great Greek philosopher Aristotle, he said that courage, in his mind, was the most important virtue because without it, you couldn't get any of the other virtues. Mm. Sometimes you do need to stand up, and I think we're at a place in our world where uh, people who hold uh, positions need to convey those positions, and uh, we can't back down. Mm,
0: So true. All right, Ken, now maybe slip on your theologian and pastor hat and then answer this question, if you would. What if you had a real grievance or unfinished forgiveness with someone and they died already or you didn't get around to resolving it? Does that affect your salvation as a Christian believer or not? Well, you got these really good questions. Um, I have smart listeners.
1: Indeed, um, look. Uh, forgiveness is a very critical issue. I, I love what C.S. Lewis said. I love it because it bothers me. <laughs> Lewis said that I need to be able, I need to be willing the to forgive the inexcus- inexcusable in others, because God is, God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Um, now, of course, the Bible does talk about. Uh, there can be conditions for repent for, for forgiveness. Uh, has the person repented? Uh, but, you know, even if they don't, uh, I like to say, you know, y- if you have deep disappointments in life, you can either respond in resentment or you can say, Lord, this is a time where I can grow in character. And I've said this before, Bill, I, I love vacations. I-, I love entertainment. I love having fun but I haven't really ever learned anything of, of a deep principle that wasn't in the context of of suffering mm-hmm. or or challenging. And uh, it's not easy to forgive. Uh, it can be very challenging. And, and yet I like to relate it to, to what Lewis said. Uh, I've done things that I think are inexcusable and I have to be willing to be open to forgive others because the Lord has forgiven me.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I appreciate that, but I want to make sure I'm getting the question answered. And that is okay. this grievance or unfinished forgiveness, but now it's too late because the person has died.
1: Well, it, it it may be too late to communicate that with the person who has died, but it does. It's not too late to go to the Lord and say, Lord, um, I, uh, I want to confess that I this didn't work out the way I wanted it to or this was a is a difficult situation. I think many people feel that way. Sometimes children feel that way about their parents or whomever it may be, but we can go to the Lord and say, "Lord, forgive me. Uh help me. Help me to learn from this if I if I made a mistake in not forgiving." Would you forgive me, and would you build within me a spirit of forgiveness?
0: Hmm. Well said. I'm gonna remember that one because there have been a number of occasions that have come up with people who have had unfinished business with a loved one who has passed on, and they feel great grief.
1: Yeah. Well, I I, I think so many of us can can relate to that. I you know. Again, I was reciting we, in my church service. We were reading through the Ten Commandments, and I, you know, I thought immediately of honoring your father and your mother. And I thought, wow. Well, there are sometimes I've clearly done that. There were times when I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, life is messy, and yet, and yet, the Lord can forgive uh, and can help us to grow in virtue.
0: I mm-hmm. appreciate that, Ken. Always good to talk to you. Thank you for making time for me every month. It's my pleasure. you got great listeners. you got Indeed, a great show. Thank, thank you so much. Ken Samples has been my guest. You can learn more about him at reasons.org. Our topic today with Ken was God, Government, and the Believer, Six Biblical Truths About God and Government. We answered a few listener questions at the end, but if you missed uh, most of the show, that's what the topic was. You can go back and hear it from the beginning. and go to myfaithradio.com. Check out the podcast. I always encourage you to do that. We would love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today. So, Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report. If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.